Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. There are many verses in the scriptures, many passages, sections in the scriptures that can be quite challenging when we study them. And what I mean by quite challenging is that sometimes we read something, sometimes we'll study something, and we just don't understand what is being described in these verses, or at least we're not sure that we understand because our interpretation of these verses, or at least what we believe these verses are saying, for the most part can contradict things that we already believe or things that we think are true. And so when we see that, when we see these challenges in the scriptures, we have to make a choice. We have to decide that either we do not quite understand what is being said, or we have to say that what we are seeing in these verses are contrary to what we believe, and so we have to change what we believe, or we have to find some way to go through whatever gymnastics are necessary or whatever gymnastics we can think of. And what I mean by that is intellectual gymnastics, that we can come up with in order to somehow conform what we see in the scriptures to what we already believe. These are the kinds of obstacles that many people struggle with and fits into the category of theology, textual analysis, and things like that in order to try to find a way to academically reconcile any differences that may potentially exist. One of these sections in the scriptures that is very common for people to struggle with is Hebrews chapter 6 between verses 4 and 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 and 6, these passages quite often have caused so much difficulty that people have avoided reading the book of Hebrews. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people do not read the book of Hebrews is because of this chapter and, of course, chapter 10 as well. There are a couple of challenging verses in chapter 10. But this is definitely one chapter in the scriptures that causes people a lot of confusion or a lot of frustration or just simply a lot of uncertainty because they don't know what to do with these verses. In Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, it is written, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Now, in reading these verses between verses 4 and 6, what people conclude is that it is impossible to be renewed again to a right relationship with God if you ever fall away. The way that this is normally handled is, is that people will say, whatever you do, make sure you don't sin too much. Because if you sin too much, then you will have fallen away. And if you have fallen away, then according to verse 6, this is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6, it is not possible to renew you again to the point of repentance so that you can be saved or so that you can survive this sin to the extent where your relationship with God will be sustained. Otherwise, you're going to be embarrassing God so much or you will have shown your disdain towards his crucifixion so much 
you will have sinned so much that the Lord simply is going to turn away from you and no longer provide you with an opportunity to be reconciled to him. Otherwise, you would be too much of an embarrassment for him. Or in this case, you would already be so much of an embarrassment for him that he has to put you aside and no longer have a place for you in the kingdom of heaven. Now, if this is what this means, if this is what this actually means, then if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, then you have to make sure that you don't sin too much. And if you do, then you're going to be cast out from having a relationship with your God. And in that case, you will have no place in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what this means is, is that you may be saved now, but you may not be saved later. That's what this means. Now, there are a lot of people who do not find this to be confusing or find this to be difficult at all, because there are a lot of people who do believe that you can lose your salvation. There are people who believe that if you have been saved, that you can be unsaved or that you can lose your relationship with your God or that you can lose your place in the kingdom of heaven. And if that's true, then this verse fits in very well with their beliefs, fits in very well with their theology. But if this is the case, then this is what you're going to have to think about, and that is, how much sin is too much sin? At what point in your Christian life would you say that you have sinned too much? When would you really know? How would you know? How would you evaluate that? Because there is nowhere in the Bible that you can turn to see whether or not you have sinned too much. There is no description concerning how much sin is enough so that you will have actually fallen away. And so what do people do with this? Well, you can say that a person cannot sin habitually. There's one comment that people have, that you cannot be sinning habitually. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that for the most part, you manage to turn away from the temptations of life, you manage to turn away from the temptations of sin, that if you only do it occasionally, and maybe not on a regular basis, then you would not be committing that sin habitually. These are the kinds of things that people go through. These are the kinds of gymnastics that I refer to that people try to go through in order to find a way to say that they do not sin habitually or they do not sin too much. But other people, they probably sin too much, and so they can lose their salvation. But you don't have to, because you can find a way, you can find many ways in order to avoid sins. And if you will do that through the empowerment of God in some way, then you will find a way to live holy and righteously to the extent where you will never fall within the boundaries of possibly losing your salvation. This is what people will normally conclude. But my opinion is very simple. My opinion is very clear concerning this, and that is that if you believe that you do not sin habitually, or if you believe that you will never come within the boundaries, or you feel confident that you will never lose your salvation, and it's really important not to, because you can never regain it again, according to this verse, if that's the interpretation of it, you will never again be able to be renewed again to the point of salvation, because you will have already sinned too much. If that's what you believe... If that's what you believe and you believe that you have not sinned too much and that you have confidence that you will never sin too much, then in my sincere opinion, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. That is my opinion of you. So don't call me on the phone or send me an email or write me a letter and tell me that you believe that you can find a way not to sin too much so that you would not fit into this category. I personally believe that you are a liar, that you are dishonest, 
that you are not honest about the seriousness of sin, that you are not honest concerning the real sins that you have in your life, and that you need to talk to the Lord about this, not me. You don't need to talk to me about this and try to figure out how to convince me that what you believe is right, because I don't. I just don't believe that. I personally believe that if you will be honest, you will say that any sin, any sin whatsoever in your life, no matter how big it is or how small it is in your eyes, no matter what this sin is, if you commit that sin or if you struggle with that sin in any way whatsoever, then you have fallen away and you can never again be renewed to repentance and so you should stop listening to Christian radio, you should stop listening to any audio CDs concerning Christianity, you should just abandon the faith entirely, go out into the world, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die and you will go to hell. That's how I feel about this subject. So I don't believe that this can refer to a believer who may potentially sin too much and then end up losing their salvation to the extent where they can never recover it again. I don't believe that that's the case. So how else could we look at this? In what other way could we read these verses? Well, certainly we could assume that this does not refer to a believer. We could say that this refers to someone who is an unbeliever, who is not saved, and say that a person may taste, but they may not swallow. They may have some exposure to the Holy Spirit, but they may not be resurrected by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And so if this is referring to a person who is not saved, a person who is lost, then certainly you cannot renew them again to the point of repentance because they never got to that point. You cannot renew a person to a point where they were never at. You cannot renew a person again to the point of salvation if they were never saved to begin with. Now, I certainly agree with that. That should be totally obvious. I would think that anybody who's got any sense of intellectual capacity whatsoever can say that if you have never been saved, then you cannot be renewed again to being saved because you were never saved to begin with. In other words, if a person never received the free gift of salvation, you certainly cannot renew them again to that state, to that condition of having the gift of salvation because they never had it to begin with. And that certainly is true. If you were to read these verses from that context, you could say that that is correct. If we were to read that in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4 again, it would say, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, they were perhaps enlightened but never really embraced the truth, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, in the sense that they had exposure to it but never really took it, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Again, someone like Judas, for example, Judas partook with the ministry of the Lord Jesus, but he was never really a part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. They may have had some accessibility to that. They may have had some exposure to that, and then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. It would be to say that you cannot expect the Lord Jesus to forgive them again if they were never forgiven because they were never forgiven in the first place. This is how some people read these verses. And again, I totally agree with the conclusion. I just totally reject, I absolutely reject that that is what the writer is referring to. I don't believe that that's what he's saying. And of course, I have a reason why I do not believe that that is what the writer is intending to say. 
Of course, I don't believe things without having some reason. The reason why I don't believe that this is what the writer was intending to say is because of what Peter wrote in his book in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he said, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Peter was talking about a newborn baby, someone who is newly saved, who is experiencing or taking the milk of the scriptures, the milk of the word. This corresponds very well with Hebrews chapter 6, the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6. In the previous few programs, I was explaining this, that this has to do with the milk of the scriptures. And with this cross-reference into 1 Peter chapter 2, it would definitely suggest very highly, very strongly, that the writer is referring to somebody who is saved but is a babe in Christ. Continuing in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 where it says, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. He didn't say so that you may receive salvation, but that you may grow in the salvation that you already have. And then in verse 3, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And so Peter indicates that here this is referring to a believer. And so I believe for that reason, the corresponding passage in Hebrews is referring to a believer. So if this is referring to a believer, if this is referring to a believer, then what is it that the writer is intending to say? As I explained earlier, I don't believe there's any way for him to say that if you are a believer, you can lose your salvation. Because if that's the case, then everyone would lose their salvation because everyone falls away or would fall away to an extent where they would lose their salvation. And that's because sin is extremely serious. It's because it is extremely evil. Call it what it is. Don't make light of sin. The only way you could say otherwise is to make light of sin. So if this is referring to a believer, then what could the writer be intending to say if he's not intending to say that you're guaranteed to lose your salvation because you are going to sin? If that's the case, then what is he saying? I believe that he's saying something different, and that is that it is not possible for you to lose your salvation. That's what I believe he's saying, that it's not possible to lose your salvation because it's not possible to be renewed again to a point of salvation because you have already been saved. When the Lord Jesus died for our sins, when he was crucified to bring us to him so that he could never be ashamed of us ever again, he died for all sin, for all time, all sin in the entire world, For those who are believers, for those who are unbelievers, everyone has been forgiven. I believe the scriptures make that very clear, very obvious. Now, of course, I do not believe that forgiveness is salvation. I believe that salvation is the restoration of the Holy Spirit, and that forgiveness makes it possible for that Holy Spirit indwelling within you to never leave, because there is no sin that would ever be held against you that would cause the Holy Spirit of God to depart from within you, and so the life that you have now in him, because of the presence of his Holy Spirit, which is your life, will remain within you eternally, so that you have been made alive permanently. You have been resurrected from the dead, 
There is no way to kill you again because the indwelling presence of the life of God will never depart because there is no sin left unforgiven that would cause the Holy Spirit to ever leave again. And that's why you are saved and why you can never lose your salvation is because of the definition of salvation, because of what salvation is. If you believe that salvation is getting your sins forgiven, then you are at substantial risk of losing your salvation because you still have sin that you struggle with in your life, and how are you going to get forgiveness for that? That is where people truly struggle with the subject of losing their salvation or not. But here, I believe that the writer is saying that if you have received the Holy Spirit, it's not possible for you to lose your salvation. Reading these verses from that perspective, I think you can see this point of view very clearly expressed here. Again, in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, if this is somebody who's saved, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, in other words, if you sin, if you perhaps neglect or ignore the relationship that you do have with the living God, it is not possible to renew you again to the point of repentance in the sense of repenting from unbelief to belief or repenting to the point of salvation because you've already come there. If that was possible, then you would have to re-crucify again the Son of God because those sins that you committed when you fell away have to be dealt with. Either they were dealt with when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago or they haven't been dealt with, and you've got to deal with them now. Those are your only two options. Either he was crucified for all of your sins back then, or you need him to come down here and die again for your sins, the new sins in your life, those sins that caused you to fall away. And that's not going to happen. That simply is not going to happen. And so because that is not going to happen, it is not possible for you to be renewed again to a form of salvation or to a point of salvation Because you either have it or you don't. Either you have received the free gift of the Holy Spirit of eternal life, or you haven't received that. And if you have, then you are saved. If you are not saved or you can lose it, then you need Jesus to come and die again. I believe that that is why these verses in Hebrews are verses that tell you that your salvation is secure that your position with Christ Jesus is secure, that your relationship with him is secure, that there's no way for you to ever fall away. If there was a way for you to fall away to the extent where you would lose your position with God or your salvation or your place in the kingdom of heaven, if that was possible, then you would need Jesus to come and die again for you, and he's not going to do that. He did that once before. He did that once for all. When he did it, he said he was finished. He's not going to bring it up again. He's not going to start it again. This is a done deal. This is a completed point in history that is the point of forgiveness and the point of salvation. The point of forgiveness was complete when he died on the cross, and the point of salvation was complete when you received the Holy Spirit that he offered to you. Again, the real issue, the real problem that really exists here is the confusion concerning the gospel. It is the disagreement concerning what is salvation, what is the gospel, what is the good news. If you believe that the gospel is that Jesus died for your sins so that you can go to heaven when you die, 
then you are at substantial risk. I mean, certainly you can believe that all sin was forgiven, and so no sin will be held against you to the extent where you can go into heaven and your sins will not be held against you. But what people tend to do is they tend to say that while you are here on earth, then the Lord still has to hold your sins against you because it's the only way that he can somehow manipulate you or coerce you or discipline you so that you'll stop sinning. He needs something to hold against you so he can beat you into behavioral modification so that your behavior will change eventually if he can threaten you enough, things like that. Or if he can offer you enough blessings, then maybe you will stop sinning. These are the kinds of things that people will tend to believe in order to try to find some way to encourage people to start living a holy and righteous life. So you either believe that he died for all of your sins and that he doesn't hold your sins against you to the extent where you can enter into the kingdom of heaven, or you believe that he died for the sins of the world and he died for your sins. And if you will engage with him and embrace the forgiveness that he has given to you, then all of your past sins have been forgiven. But your future sins, well, now that's a new story. That's a new relationship, a new experience with your God. And what this eventually means is that people say that sin is not really that serious anymore. It's not really such a big deal. We no longer have to look at sin in the context of requiring a blood sacrifice, that the wages of sin is no longer death, but that sin has been reduced to a state of confession or a penalty of confession or to a point of apology where you simply say you're sorry. You just ask for forgiveness from now on. Most people actually believe that in the Christian world today, that today the debate of having salvation secured or not having salvation secured is a debate, but it's not as popular as this belief. It's not as popular as the belief, which seems to be quite universal, that today your Christian life is about keeping your sins forgiven, keeping short accounts with God, keeping forgiven through your confession, through your apology, by asking God to forgive you on a regular basis, and in that way you can keep up to date with your God, that that is the new relationship that you have with him. But that's the problem, is that you come to verses such as this, and you look at this, and you say, you know, it's not possible to renew a person again to the point of repentance if they have fallen away. It's not possible, because it crucifies again the Son of God. And you see that, and you say, well, then, I guess sin is more important than just saying you're sorry. I guess it really is a big deal. And if it really is, then we either stop reading the book of Hebrews, we no longer look at these verses in the book of Hebrews and just ignore it, or we look at it and we have to wonder, we have to live a life of uncertainty, wondering if our apology truly is going to be enough, because we're not so sure, because here it seems to say that it's not. And you know what? It's not. I believe the writer here was telling the truth when he said it's not. You either acknowledge the complete forgiveness that you have, or you're going to have to live in accordance with repentance, knowing that you're never going to be able to repent because he's not going to die again for you. And it just leaves you in a condition of total, absolute uncertainty in terms of what your relationship with your God is truly about. And all you can do is just wait and wait until you go to heaven, hoping and praying that maybe you'll get in there. But between now and then, there is no opportunity for you to grow. No opportunity for you to grow and mature in a relationship with your God because you have no relationship with your God. And that's the point. If you believe that forgiveness is your salvation, 
You truly have no relationship with your God. All you have is the expectation, the hope, that maybe you will enter into the kingdom of heaven, or perhaps you won't. And I do pray that you will reconsider, because I don't see our life in Christ being about that at all. I do believe that it is about something much more than just waiting to see if you're going to go into heaven, but that you can experience a relationship with your God right now. Reconsider your understanding of the gospel, and I do believe you will begin to grow and mature as he wants you to. Again, I have done a radio program on the subject of what is the gospel, and you can find that on the internet in my radio archive, or you can contact me and I can send you an audio CD. This is a very important subject because your understanding of the gospel has everything to do with how you're going to read verses such as these. If you believe that salvation has to do with getting forgiveness, then you have an incomplete understanding of the gospel. Salvation is about the restoration of the Holy Spirit that had been lost in Adam. And if you have received the Holy Spirit, which is the free gift that he is offering to you, then you have been made alive because the Holy Spirit is the life of God. And there's no way for the Holy Spirit to depart from within you because the only reason why he would would be because of sin. That's what causes the absence of life. That's what causes death. The wages of sin is death. However, because he was crucified for you, because he died for you, because he provided you with his forgiveness, there is no sin left unforgiven that will cause that life to depart from within you. If there was a sin, if you could fall away and then be expected to be renewed again to repentance, if that was true, if there was any sin left unforgiven that would require you to repent from it, then you would have to crucify again the Son of God. And as it is written in verse 6, they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. But that's not going to happen. That simply will not take place. He did it once and for all. If you fall away in the sense that you commit sin, well, you're always going to commit sin. I'm not minimizing the seriousness of it by saying that. I'm just saying that if you were to look at it from that point of view, you will always fall away. But it is impossible to renew you again to a point of repentance, to a point of salvation, to a point of a right relationship with God, because you already have one, because the sin issue between you and your God is over. And so on that basis, I believe that Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, say very clearly that you have the security of salvation and you will never be lost. I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 